one. And we are recording with the one and only Mr. Basil Baz, who you've been on here two times. You have an illustrious career of uh, classification that would make James Bond look like a loser. But I think the coolest thing about you is you never really retired in the sense that you have gone from fighting different evils to fighting the biggest evil and in a true form of evolution in what I would like to think is your final form of badassery is fighting for the recovery of uh, trafficked children. And because I don't know much about it, I think we talked about it for just a minute on our first episode, uh, ARC, I believe, ARC. And uh, it dawned on me whenever I texted you a week or two ago, and I was like, we never fully went over that. I've had Baz on here twice, and I've just ran us down rabbit holes, which is always fun. But I was like, how come I haven't gone into that? So with that, Baz, please introduce yourself to everybody. And then uh, really, I guess, tell me the story, the background. What is ARC? Where is it going? What's the end goal? What's the future? And uh, all that good stuff. Sure. Well, Tommy, it's good to be with you here. Uh, yeah, my name is Basil Baz. Um, I'm a Citadel graduate, former captain of the United States Marine Corps, uh, counterterrorism officer, uh, CIA Special Operations Ground Branch Maritime Officer, and um, founder of the Association for the Recovery of Children, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization of former intelligence, military, and law enforcement officers that are dedicated to the recovery of missing, exploited, and trafficked American children. And we've had that. I think, Tommy, we're probably one of the oldest uh, standing child rescue operations in the United States. I mean, the Salvation Army may have been doing it longer than us. And we got started in 1993. And um, after rescuing a couple of kids in Mogadishu, Somalia, um, prior to the whole Black Hawk Down incident, uh, I got back to the United States and uh, just kind of was concerned uh, about what was happening with kids in America. Um, prior to that time, to be very honest with you, I uh, just thought all kids grew up like me. You know, they went to elementary school and high school and got an opportunity to go to college in this great country. And then you went on with life. But I soon discovered uh, in 1993, that uh, we had about 250,000 American children missing in the United States. And um, so I checked with law enforcement partners, people that I knew, um, and the three-letter agencies and stuff. And I found out that it wasn't very, it wasn't very, a very big priority. Um, they were just considered missing. And um, what was a priority at that time was terrorism or counterterrorism, uh, white collar crime, fraud, you know, all the homicides, the normal things. And I also discovered that um, most law enforcement agencies uh, had all kinds of restraints. There were communication issues between one law enforcement department to another or cross state lines. Uh, there were budgetary constraints, um, and the list just went on and on and on to pretty much paint a picture that kids weren't important, or and not that they didn't care, just that um, they weren't equipped for it. So um, I started out, and right after I got back 
kind of very much under the radar with the agency um, going out on holidays and weekends and just rescuing a kid. I'd rescue one kid and then I'd come back, you know, on a thank over a Thanksgiving holiday and um, just kept doing it. And then, um, you know, when you do something and you're good at it, I guess, and I don't really know if I was good at it or just had divine intervention, to be honest with you. I think it was more of the latter. Um, but by 1996, um, my heart was kind of really tugging in that direction. And I felt, and I was convicted, I felt that there was something bigger than overthrowing small governments. Keep in mind, look, I loved my time in the agency. Sure. Um, there was nothing I wanted to be probably pretty much all my life than a special operations spy guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it yeah. was dangerous and exciting and the coolest thing in the world yeah coolest thing in the world and i got to be mentored by some of the most amazing unsung heroes uh that live on this planet today and um and i was very blessed to be in their company for a good 10 years yeah question because i think we have a little bit of a delay so i don't want to keep interrupting you um did you, and I, I don't know whether or not you can or whether or not you want to confirm it, did you ever meet uh, Billy Waugh? I know Billy, yeah. Yeah, I do know Billy, yeah. Yes. Billy and I met uh, a couple of times, and uh, he was very close friends with uh, Rick Prado mm -hmm. and a number of other people. Um, we all floated in the same circles. Uh, I'm an amazing, an amazing paramilitary case officer. Um, yeah. Just recently... Uh, uh, Rick Prado came out with a book um, called Black Ops. He's he's coming and out I here. think he mentions Billy in there, and um, so yeah, you know these are these are the guys that I learned from, you know, and I was better off for it. So I mean, it's like if you can imagine, you know, <laughs> if, you know, if you're a big Star Wars fan, if you can imagine just hoping one day you run into Obi Wan Kenobi, right? Yeah, so that you can learn from him. Uh, that was my life. One day I ran into all of these Obi-Wan Kenobis and I became who I am then and today uh, because of them, actually, you know, really. That would be like, that would be like me wanting to meet Joe Rogan and then like Joe Rogan taking me under his wing and like teaching me podcasting. It'd be just yeah. the coolest thing. Rick Prado is actually coming on here, I think next week or the week after. Good. Yeah, yeah Rick, so Rick's actually on my he's actually on my board of directors oh, for awesome. the Association for the Recovery of Children. Oh, awesome. Okay. That's probably why I agreed to come on because I, I, I was like, how am I going to get this guy? And then it's like, instead of my normal copy pasted, here's this guest I just went through and I was like, Ground Branch, Ground Branch. That was probably the shortest uh, email I'd ever sent. I said, Dale Comstock, Ground Branch, uh, uh, Baz, Ground Branch, Joe Teddy, Ground Branch, uh, Ron Moeller, Maritime Branch. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, if this doesn't work, nothing will. And uh, he was like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> so I was like, yes. Good. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, Rick's, uh, I love him to death. He's, yeah. uh, he's He ranks right up there with all of the greats. Yeah. Um, and these are unlike, uh, I have to tell you, they're unlike any human beings I have ever met on the face of this earth. Outside of my own parents, you know, my father was a Special Forces Green Beret. He worked for the agency in Vietnam. Uh, he had the same temperament, you know, very quiet professionals uh, that you're never really going to get a lot of detail out of. Um, 
because they weren't in it to become famous. They were in it to do their job and keep America safe. And, and I know that to be the fact because I, you know, I served with them and they're all great guys. I mean, doesn't mean that we don't have bad apples in the bunch sure. every now and then everybody does, but I was, uh, I'm extremely grateful every single day that I had that opportunity, but 96 rolled around and it was, it was a difficult decision. There were some other things, other factors that um, played into all of that. Um, during that time by 96, things were kind of disruptive in the organization. Um, we weren't being allowed to do our job, so to speak. Um, upper management, seventh floor was easy. They were, they were easy to threaten you with many, many different career, um, it's the word I'm looking for, Tommy. Just, well, in other words, they didn't hesitate. Speed bumps. They, yeah, they didn't hesitate to say, if you don't stay in line, we're going to chop your head off and you're never going to work in the U.S. government again. Yeah. Um, and actually, on an occasion, I actually, some things took place and I actually was probably one of those guys that didn't stand in line uh, for a couple of things that were taking place. And I was called in and basically said, they told me the same thing. You know, we'll make your life miserable. They were all kinds of really cool threats. Um, now that I'm wiser, I probably could have ridden it out. And like a, a number of my uh, buddies did. But I was so uh, bent out of shape by the fact that someone would threaten me that I had to kind of figure out a way to not be put in a closet or a box and uh you know left left to the mercy of those people so in 96 um i made the decision that um what was more important to me was saving kids in america and at that time i didn't really know how explosive this issue would be as it is now now of course a lot of the world knows about trafficking uh you know we've We've got corruption at some of the highest levels um, that, um, you know, the fingers are getting pointed now at at everything from secret societies to uh, Hunter Biden's computer with pornography to Joe Biden himself, uh, members of, you know, all of members of the three-letter agencies. Um, you know, I just found out today, I guess there's another whistleblower in the FBI that said, um, investigators that are involved in the FBI to deal with child abduction, child abuse activities are all being pulled back so they can be put on political issues or political crimes or political investigations. Now, I briefed my staff on that this morning. And um, interestingly enough, um, you know, particularly on the heels of Another bit of news that showed up on our desk this morning about a lady in Virginia that had been uh, selling children for 40 years or, and I've got to go back, I don't want to misquote the article. Anyway, she was involved in child trafficking for 40 years. She made close to $20 million 
Her son was in the FBI, and according to the article, and I have to go back and research it, the FBI was very aware of her activities during the whole time. And so it's, it's starting to sound like a cover-up mm-hmm. of sorts. So if you take a look at the all the organizations that are being politicized, CIA, FBI, DOJ, whatever it may be, um, I've come to realize that my decision in 96 to go out and fight this battle or this war on trafficking, even if I never got the help from law enforcement agencies who I suspected could be corrupt eventually, um, it all came true. Here we are in 2022, and it's Fort Apache, any NGO that's rescuing trafficked children isn't always getting the help of the three-letter agencies, and nor should they look for that, to be quite honest with you. It doesn't mean they're all bad, but there's certainly a lot of questionable things right now that make people uncomfortable with the three-letter agencies, particularly when it comes to child trafficking. And there is evidence, I I have seen the evidence, um, where members of three-letter agencies have been involved on one occasion or another in the trafficking of children, either complicit in the crime of actually doing it or looking the other way or allowing it to happen. So um, so my decision in 96 to go out and rescue kids was the right decision for me. And, you know, for the audience that's listening, Tommy, child sex trafficking, we're never going to stop it. No. It's too big. So anybody who says that I'm out to stop child sex trafficking, they haven't been downrange and they don't know how big it is. I mean, it involves corruption, the cartels. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but what we can do is we can take a bite out of it. It's not going to, it's never going to end until God comes back. Um, and of course, when he comes back, then a lot of stuff's probably going to end, but you know, well, um, all of it. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, it's really funny. I always have this conversation, particularly when I'm in Washington on the Hill and having having some private meetings. I always go, you know, I don't think this administration is very smart because what they don't realize is God doesn't need their belief or their disbelief in order to exist. Yeah. So I think they have a rude awakening when they die and everybody's going to die. It's like you when people so. say, like, uh, we're destroying the planet. We're... No, 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 no. An asteroid can maybe destroy the planet. Actually, the Earth has and will again absorb asteroids and brush it off like a bite, like a bug bite. Will be gone. I, I have a, I have a friend who's a huge fan of this show and especially the Ground Branch guys. And he's like, he's like, what's even wilder to think about? And uh, he's like, you know, you've got some cool guys got your back. He was like, Baz, Dale, Joe, Moeller, you know, all these uh, special activities division guys. And I was like, yeah. And he's like. Don't forget, he was like, you got God. And like at first I was like, oh, that's it's kind of like a sweet statement. But he's like, no, really think about that. Think of how like hardcore those guys are compared to like a Boy Scout, right? Now imagine that again times a trillion. He's like, don't, he's like, it's not just like a, a sweet statement that you put on a Hallmark card. Like really yeah. think about that. And I do often think about that. And it, it's not to put your head in the sand or to be blissfully ignorant, but there is some peace in knowing like 
there's a reason why, you know, let's say in, in for you, you might be, you know, wondering how come I have to do this? You know, well, you want to, and it, it, your, your heart's driven by it. How come I have to, to do this alone? How come these agencies aren't helping me? How come the full force of the, the DOD isn't cracking down on this stuff? Well, cause they're corrupt. Well, I don't think that's an accident. I think for whatever reason, I think all of our stories and lessons are being intertwined, but for whatever reason, just like I had to get into medical school and then lose a brother right after the best time of my life, great shape, got into medical school, got the girlfriend at the, I'm at Mount Olympus. Four months later, my brother kills himself and I often wonder why, and it's brought me here. And now <clears> I can <throat> question any of it. I go, oh, there was a path. There was a path to the summit. I would imagine you must question why, and I can think the only logical conclusion is, for whatever reason, you're being, you specifically are being put in this world, in this this scenario, this soul simulation, and it's, what will you do when when big military won't come help you, as Dale calls it, big mill? What, what do you do when big mill doesn't have your back? Do you coil up in a ball and go, well, it's all screwed, or do you go and start your own thing? And sorry, I know I'm, I know I'm interrupting you. Um, no, it's okay. Go ahead. And then to pivot real quick before we go forward, so I don't forget it. There are always bad apples, right? I've done poor podcasts. I've consciously done poor podcasts where I don't get enough sleep, where I didn't prepare, and it's on me and nobody else. It doesn't mean that they're all bad. When you see something like the FBI being pulled off of this, or DHS, or ICE, or CPS, or whatever, CIA. And that's frustrating. Do you have some empathy where you can go, are they just a young guy who've always wanted to work in an agency and now they're being called in by the the metaphorical seventh floor and they're being torn a new one? And in 30 years, they'll look back and say, God, I wish I I wish I'd stood my ground. Do you have any empathy just from your own experiences from that or. Or no, are you are you more hardline and like, you know tough luck buttercup like you should do it's right yeah good question you know i am i know that in my discussions with a lot of my close friends and a lot of the three litter agencies um they're not happy with what's going on there so um they're never surprised anymore when things go sideways or upside down or there's corruption um there's this interesting wave of evil that's the best way I can put it, that is upon us now mm-hmm. here in our country that is out to destroy everything, our children, our constitution, our democracy. Our, you know, I mean, look, when we look at the fact that there is, we are in a bro- broken judicial system mm-hmm. that um, doesn't hold people responsible for things anymore. Um, and when crimes are committed, investigations aren't launched to figure out who the bad guys are there it's just it's just it's ridiculously overwhelming and so when i look at um issues that you're talking about um i i don't really i'm not really empathetic i just kind of go you know you're going to make your choice and You'll either learn it or you won't. You know, my, you know, I always, I know this one man or one woman with courage is a majority, Tommy. Mm-hmm. That, that's the American way. 
one man or one woman with courage is a majority. And if you're going to get in the fight and expect everybody to cover your six or be surrounded by overwhelming, whatever it may be, odds, uh, it's not going to happen. And so you have to look at yourself. And, and this is a truth of life. Every man and woman, when they take their last breath, they take it alone. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. I had a, I think this past year, I had an incident happen. I think I died twice in the hospital. And I had some really interesting revelations, or at least I was told I died twice. Um, and what I learned is that you can have all the support around you and people love you and whatever, but when it's time for you to go meet your maker, buddy, it's just you. Yeah. And so if you're not settled in your own spirit, that what you have done was your best, that you never compromised, then good luck living with that. I'm everybody's built different. Like I, not everybody's me. I don't expect everybody to be me. They weren't raised the way I was raised to tell the truth and be honest and help people and, you know, have a little chivalry and, um, you know, but I was raised in a family where my grandfather came here in 1914 um, from Beirut, Lebanon, married a Native American woman and wanted to be an American. And, and his values and what he believed and what he saw was based on the, the history of this country as he learned it. And he conveyed those principles and those moral guidelines to his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. And so I came to realize that this country, over the course of history, has spilled more blood for other nations than any other country in this world. And I just got tired of apologizing or watching people apologize for America. We don't need to apologize to anybody for anything. We sacrifice, you know, more than almost any nation in the world. I don't know of any other country that taxes its people and gives its money away. Yeah. We do. Yeah. We give, we tax our own people and give it to other nations. Is there anybody else taxing their people and giving America money? Not that I know of. No. Yeah, exactly. So when I look at all of that, it helps build a platform for me to stand on uh, with my convictions. And um, no matter what transpires or what's in front of me when it comes to three-letter agencies falling apart or other things falling apart, whatever it may be, I just hold my ground based on who I am. And if I'm the last one standing on the front line, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Not at all. You know, not, not one bit at all. Um, one thing about me, a lot of people know, they know where I stand. I'm not wishy-washy. I think you and I might have talked about this once before. Um, it's not a good feeling being around people that flip-flop, like a lot of politicians. One day they're for this, but the next day they compromise and they're for this other thing. And, um, I can't live my life like that. So it's, it's a, it's a fate worse than death. That's I, yeah. I went when I, when I had my strike, second strike, third strike, first suspension, second suspension was coming up from the third for YouTube. And they basically said in, in an appeal, um, they said, if you, if you do another interview with Dr. McCullough, you're going to get banned. And I was uh, just like, I was just like, uh, you know, 
I was like, you know, for freedom, <laughs> scheduled the interview with McCullough, knew exactly what was going to happen, went down in flames. It destroyed me. It took two years to get wow. to 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. Like, this is my income source. It eviscerated it, and I went down to 100, and I was on Rumble. But it's been a year and three weeks, and now I'm up to 12,000. But the point is, is there is something where it's not even bravery or courage. It's a, I don't want to face myself in the mirror. There is a disgust yeah. when I'm by myself at night, after I call my mom, after I do the podcast, play video games with some friends, answer my emails, and I'm lying down, put the bedside fan on, and you just kind of sit there. You know, think about, oh, I get, what am I doing tomorrow? I got to go to the gym. Oh, I'm talking to Baz and I'm talking to Dr. D. It goes away. And then it's, are you cool with who you are? And if I can't answer no, it's a splinter in my mind. It's like an alarm clock going off. I cannot rest. And yeah. that is, you have to stand, you have to stand there. Um, and Another thing about you not being wishy-washy is that's another terrifying thing is when something like COVID arises and no pun intended, but the mask falls off on a lot of people and you see how many people were turnkey Nazis. I mean, yeah. like, I used to wonder how it happened. Now I don't wonder at all. I just stand in awe mm-hmm. and I go, oh, wow, it really is not that. It's like uh, one of the guys playing the flute and the snake rises. You go, oh man, they just got, you got to play a little tune and people just, they get right in line, you know, they good little shoot stoffle and it's insane. Yeah. And then you see people who are like a rock though, and they didn't care when it wasn't cool. They didn't care as it got cooler, you know, now guys like Malone and McCullough are being applauded, but they didn't care two years ago when they were being torn apart, fired from their jobs, sued. Mm-hmm. Um, for you. Well, the truth's coming out. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And now it's, and they, now and it's they knew they didn't, they didn't, they weren't like liberals that just, destroy stuff because they don't have anything better to do they learned truth and they were trying to hold their ground based on the truth because they knew the world was being lied to and and lo and behold guess what it is being lied to and now it's coming out and people are like oh my gosh there was something to all of that you know so but no one wanted to listen Nope, nobody now and now countries are gaslighting people. They're saying we never I, I think Germany yesterday said yesterday said we never actually recommended the vaccine for pregnant women. And people are pulling oh, up newspapers yes. and they're going, What are you talking about? And yeah. Yeah, it's 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 insane. Um Yeah. And well, then Joe Biden said that it was no over. longer <laughs> Joe was over or just like the guy over. playing the flute. It's over. Exactly. Listen, if a guy can say yeah. it's over like that then it probably wasn't ever a real thing. Right, I, exactly. I can say the podcast is over and just never upload another episode, okay? But right. some guy waves a wand and now a global pandemic is just, it's got to make you think. Exactly. Well, well, what else is going on that could be over? Um, right. To, 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 to pivot to, to ARC, do you think that in order to stand your ground, in an order to not waver, in an order to be okay being the last guy. And as actually another paramilitary guy, uh, Dr. Keith Rose has said on here, and also understanding that you can pump yourself up and all this stuff, I'm going to stand my ground and be courageous. He told me on the phone about a year ago, and he goes, and never forget, sacrifice isn't always transactional. You may stand your ground, 
and get shot in the face and you don't get to see. There are a lot of soldiers that died on Omaha Beach that didn't get to see the fall of the the Reich and the Imperial Japanese. Do you think that in order to, and still look at it and go, okay, like I know I'm I'm pushing for free speech. I try to in, you know try try to talk about. It. I've had on Mitzi Purdue. I've had on um, Lauren. I cannot remember her last name from uh, the Safe House Foundation. I've had on Stu Peters and his foundation to talk about child trafficking. I obviously have talked to Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough a million times about vaccine injuries. I'm okay. I'd like to see it all work out, but I'm okay with not seeing it work out because I I pray every day and I and I know what I'm doing is right. And as much as I'd like to live through it, I'm also okay with maybe I don't see the transaction. But to me, those are like, for me, those are worth it. If somebody said, Tommy, you need to stand your ground because you want to use a, a shore mic, an S-H-U-R-E microphone, and they may come kill you. I'd go, I don't give a shit about this microphone. Give me another one, whatever. You know, yeah. there are some things that you can plant your feet. Do you think that it needs to be something as significant as I feel people are being injured by this or for you? I'm rescuing, I mean, truly the, the defilement of innocence. Do you need to have, it's worth the gold? Yeah, well, one, I, I, I do this because, you know, because God told me to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, and it's sad. I feel sad for people that don't hear God's voice. Um, it doesn't make me Billy Graham, um, but I feel so sad for people that haven't embraced that relationship. Um a lot of those times I say, look, just go outside in a good old Colorado sky and look at the billions of stars up there and tell me there's not something bigger than you, you know, and, and, you know, just to kind of help a little bit. But, you know, in my life, I know when God talks to me and I don't care what people think about me, you know, um, you know, it doesn't matter what people think about me and my my view and my relationship with God the creator of this universe of heaven and earth. Um, Cause I don't stand before them when I leave here, I stand before him. So, you know, I go and I rescue kids because he put it on my heart and that's what we do. Um, he'll protect me and all of that. Um, every now and then when we stumble on some really interesting evidence uh, and every time we rescue a kid who can testify, I know it makes the bad guys uncomfortable. And I am sure one day the bad guys will come to me and go, you need to stop doing what you're doing because we're getting too close to the flagpole. Yeah. Now, when that happens, if it happens, Tommy, I'll have to navigate those fault lines properly and go sit with God again and go, okay, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're protecting me with this. And so far he's done a really good job of protecting us. But as you like, you know, we have we have evidence that on things we can't even submit to DOJ because I've had meetings with members that are currently employed by DOJ that go, you can't bring that here because we have so much corruption. Two things, it'll never happen. It will never see the light of day. It'll just get stuffed someplace because that politician has immunity. Which is interesting. I mean, when you understand immunity, you know, at the political level, it's ridiculously sad that basically people in the House and the Senate get a certain type of immunity and they can go ahead and commit a lot of crimes and never be held accountable for it. 
Um, and we can talk about immunity all day long on another level. Probably better served than an attorney did it. But with that said, um, I know what my mission is and I'm just going to keep doing it. And look, you know, rescuing a child isn't going to change the world. But for that one child, their entire world changes. So we just go get one kid after another. When all local, state, and federal law enforcement offers have been, ex have, efforts have been exhausted, we get involved and we want to go after the deepest and the darkest ones. And there are other members uh, like Trick Sawyer and, and CERT, Rudy Gonzalez, and they have NGOs and everybody's trying to do the same thing. We're trying to dive into the darkest spaces of evil to save children because they deserve to be, you know, saved. They're innocent. And we know this, we, <laughs> we're all children at one time. And I look at my adult audience sometimes and say, if you were being sexually molested 20 times a day and burnt with cigarettes and, you know, they cut your kidneys out to sell that body part, you know, on the black market and you, your chances of living from age seven to even 17 are very slim. Wouldn't you want somebody to come rescue you? And, you know, and I think that a lot of adults understand that. And uh, they say, yeah, I'd like to. And a lot don't know what to do to help with the problem. Uh, sometimes they, they get disenchanted. They support an NGO that says they're rescuing kids, Tommy, and they put their money towards that NGO only to find out that people are paying big salaries and, and lied about that. And, and that, too, part of corruption, you know, this is trafficking uh, has become a it's become so commonplace that people don't even flinch an eye these days when you mention it. So what, what it really is, is paid child rape. That's really what it is. And because we're an over-sexualized society, there are people that I've had discussions with that literally go, well, what's wrong with having sex with children? I, I promise you, it's the most, it's flabbergasting. We, we even sat in um, an LGBT, XYZ, whatever they are tomorrow, meeting and literally listen to an attorney talk about it with the issues were reported uh, re mandated reporting and stuff like that. But listening to them to talk about how society should accept pedophiles in order, and they put a nice word around it called minor attracted, attracted map person. people. Right. And that should be attract, you know, First, it started with the gay thing. Then it started with the transgender thing. Then it started with this other thing. And now it's like, let's make, let's recognize pedophiles as their own class of people. So the question for all of us is where do we draw the line in the midst of this? And I boldly, anybody that makes a statement like that one member of the LBGT did, um, it's evil and it's wrong. And I've had this discussion with, other people that I know that are um, gay in the gay community. And a lot of them are like not enjoying, there's not really wanting to support the LGBT anymore Yeah, because they're saying, I'm not like that. I don't believe in that. You know, what's going on? And I tell them, I go, look, this is about you, but the organization, what's going on in the organization? What are you going to do about that? When all of a sudden your organization or the people you support are saying that, yeah, pedophiles, um, should 
I mean, pedophilia should be legalized. And you'll see article after article after article where they go, they deny it. But it's not true. I've been in the meetings. I've seen it. I've heard it. So they're just lying about it. And there's a never-ending process of perversion. And that's what it is. It's the never-ending process of perversion to just take what we believe was good and moral and twist it sideways so that it becomes Sodom and Gomorrah all over again here in the country. No different than the Democratic Party and maybe some Republicans constantly pushing socialism under the new word of globalization so that eventually the one world order comes in play or we can't support the constitution, you know, and I don't mean to segue on this, but it burned, it burned me up when I listened to Biden's speech and he said, we are an experiment. Screw you, Biden. We're not an experiment any longer. We're not experimenting. Our forefathers, our, our founding fathers, put in place a constitution of the United States. And the only reason he says that is because generations that don't study history and don't know anything about the blood that was shed for this country will go, oh, it's an experiment. So we should be able to try this and try this and try this. Experiment for what? What are you trying to get at? Why are we, when you experiment on something, you're generally trying to put together a formula so that you end up with something in the, you know, an end result, right? We have an end result. It's called the United States of America and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. And people died for it. They weren't imaginary people. They were our ancestors. They were people just like us during a time in the 1700s, which were being ruled by the British under tyrannical conditions. And finally, out of 13 colonies, and not all 13 colonies got on board at first, but they fought for freedom and liberty and freedom of speech and Second Amendment rights and all of those things. And no, it is not an experiment. We laid that to rest way back in the 1700s. And today, that's what we're fighting again for. We're fighting up against tyranny that is trying to erase all that because they were able to get to the education system and scrub all that information to the point that now go on the streets and ask any 15-year-old who was the first president of the United States. What's the Declaration of Independence? Tell me about the Constitution. And they can't even tell you. They can't. So this is exactly what Stalin did. He erased the history. He erased all the statues. He erased everything of Mother Russia so that a communist and socialist system could be brought in and so that children and new generations that didn't know the history could be made into what you made to make them into. And that's kind of what's happening now. You know, I don't, I don't fault. What's the new generation? The latest one is it? It's not Gen X. What's the new gen? I think I think it's Z. I want to say I'm millennial. I think there's one after me, and then there's Z. Whatever that is, when I'm having conversations with them, I don't fault them for their stupidity. Sure, you're born in. Yeah, you're a kid. I fault the education system. I fault the people that we put in leadership positions that should be teaching them about our history. I fault them and I fault their parents. And now all of this, you know, it's most of the guys that you've interviewed, we're all in the overthrowing small government business. So this is by the playbook. Oh, yeah. We get to see what unfold. You know, but if you start telling a Gen Z about the Cold War, they don't even know what that is. Yeah. You know, they don't know about communism, socialism. They don't know. But here's the sad part about it. 
if people like yourself or myself or we who do know do not fight to the bloody end to protect our constitution, those generations will live in slavery. They will live in slavery under a communist or socialist system. And what's interesting in our country now, they're so blatant and so bold about it that gradually people are just accepting it. It's, 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 it's frightening to some degree. So where does that push us? And I know we segue now. We're in oh, no, who cares? No, but, go for, no, who cares? No, keep riding it. It's the same thing. And it, and it, and it, if it, it spills over into the child sex trafficking arena as well, which is worth billions of business. I mean, billions of dollars, excuse me. And that the liberals, maybe the Democrats, socialists, everything that we held morally true, they want to erase it, even to the point that children should be experimented on to see if they are sexual beings at age three or age four or age five. And the real reason they're pushing it is because there are people on the hill Elitists, there's all kinds of people that are poking little kids. Mm-hmm. And they know if they ever get caught, they don't want to go to jail. They'd rather be able to say, oh, I'm a minor attracted person, or I have a disease, or I can't help myself. Instead of it being a law that says, you're going to jail or you're going to get the death sentence for sexually exploiting those children, which, by the way, is what should be in this country. You sexually exploit a child. You get the deaths and it's end of story, mm-hmm. you know, no exception to that. So it takes us into a, a different realm of decision-making. Um, and when we go to rescue a child, we take all of this stuff into consideration. You know, it's not, we're just trying to save one and save another and save another and get them into a good aftercare program, good service providers. So that hopefully their damaged psyche can be helped. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 we're fighting a battle around continually because we're not going to get the support, uh, outside of the NGOs or the faith based community, to be honest with you, because they don't care. What they care about is political and economic agendas to put more money and more power in their pocket. Yeah. And that's what we see. Yeah. Hey, um, Bess, tell them where to find you. I'm going to use the restroom real quick. I'll be right back. Go ahead, man.
So, um, <laughs> one thing I naively thought as I got older was, you know, as you start to realize that the whole thing is corrupt, and then you kind of have another realization, which is, in some senses is darker, but in some senses is lighter, that, well, everything's always been corrupt, that this is just, you know, the wor- the way the world is. And so, although it's bad, it also means like, hey, you're you're not the first person to go on this ride, and billions of other humans have gone through it, so you can do it too, right? Um, it's like seeing how hard it is to get into medical school, and then like seeing a friend a year or two above you get into medical school, you go, I've seen him throw up in a urinal at a bar. I can also pass the medical school interview, <laughs> right? You're like, if he's done yeah. that, I got gotcha, you, right? And there's that, doesn't make it any less hard. You just kind of go, okay, it can be done. One thing I always thought, maybe around the age of 26, so 2016, is, you know, what would be, is there like a silver bullet, right? It's, you know, like, what is the great equalizer? Death or, you know, a Glock, whatever you want to call it. There is that thing, right, that we all want. Like everyone, everybody loves a puppy. Hitler had a puppy, right? They're all kind of those, like those universal things. I used to always think that society could be brought together to fight a common evil and that that universal glue would be the the harming, raping, selling, killing of children and not to mention organ harvesting. That would that would transcend Democrat, Republican, America, Germany, whatever. I've been I've been brutally surprised to see how much that was not the case, is not the case over the last couple of years of evolution to, you know, minor attractive persons to this is tolerance to it. It's stunning and brave to bring a toddler to a drag show with a guy in a thong wagging his genitals in front of him and cheering the kid on. And the kid doesn't know any better. You're, you're a kid. You're, you're a kid. You grow up and you, you genuinely believe Santa's coming through the chimp. You can tell a kid anything. That's the, that's the beauty and the innocence of a child. But when I see this, I mean, wow. I always thought, you know, this is when it will, you know, this is the thing that will bring us together. Not at all. Not, not at all. But then I try to remind myself that there are no accidents, that everything that happens in my life is to teach me a lesson Maybe this is my only life. Maybe this is one of a trillion lives. But either way, I'm here to learn something. And I think if I don't learn it, much like a class, you fail it, you got to retake it, so might as well learn it. That you then have to go, well, I can't rely on anyone to fix this. It's time for me to fix this. Is is that a part of is that a part of your mindset? Is there there has to be a moment of shock where you go, why isn't everyone on board with this? How can we all don't agree that? child molesters are bad or do you just not even think about that anymore is it more of put your head down and do the work i don't rely on any moral support for this podcast i love it but i don't rely on anyone's support i've just if i want this to happen i'm gonna make this happen i'm gonna do the episodes i'm gonna find the guests i'm gonna buy the equipment i'm gonna edit it and upload it mom and dad aren't gonna help me maybe they do maybe they say you're doing a great job maybe they don't i don't know sometimes friends are like i really love what you're doing Sometimes people are like, I hate what you're doing. I don't care. I just put my head down and do the work. There's really no grander idea of it. There's just, I'm doing the work. The thing will get you when I do it. Stop complaining. No one owes you anything. I know there's a lot of questions in there, but 
your okay. thoughts on that? Yeah, well, number one, the trafficking of children isn't a political issue. It's a moral issue and it's wrong. And I don't, I'm not, I, I know the difference between what's right and what's wrong. Absolutely, I know. And so do bad people. And if they didn't know the difference between what was right and wrong, then why do they do their evil deeds in secret? Why do they hide from them? Why is it that some senator molests a kid in the privacy of his house? Why doesn't he molest the kid out in the street where everybody can see it? Because it's wrong and they know it's wrong. So it's not a political issue. It's a moral issue. And because I understand the nature of mankind and understand that there are people that have good hearts and there are people that have really, really evil, ugly, bad hearts. And there is a spiritual component, Tommy, to every human being. And the question really is, who are you following? Are you following God or are you following the prince of this earth? The prince of this earth is Satan, you know, and he's out to destroy and kill whatever he can. Whatever's, whatever God has created that's wonderful and beautiful and innocent like children, he's out to do that. So I realize that I think differently than my opponents, so to speak. And I put my head down very much like you said. I know what the mission is. And I go forth to do it at all costs, the cost of my life. My team knows that. Whatever it takes to save a child and keep them out of the hands of predators that would literally, the predators that want to literally rip their souls out of their body, you know, that's what we do. And whether I get support or not, you know, whether I'm one man on the boat, one man in the desert, you know, the only person out there standing in the front line then that's it. You know, I didn't get into this to, I'd love to build an army. You know, it's nothing more than I would love for them. Some multi-billionaire guy that has a heart for God and this to come up and go, look, you spent your whole CIA career building armies and, and crushing gov bad governments. I want you to build an army and crush this evil. What does it take to do that? And then the next thing you know, he's, there's endless funding. And we do exactly what we did in Ground Branch. We build out everybody and go, this is your mission. Save kids 24-7. This is all we're going to do. We're going to do it so well that DOJ is going to get out of the child-saving business. The FBI is never going to come near this again. Or whatever it may be, because we are the best at this and saving children. Um, you know, it's really funny. There, an interesting analogy or well, yeah, yeah, something similar to that was when Eric Prince went out and built out Blackwater. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know Eric personally, uh, but I know friends who know Eric personally. Um, and Rick knows Eric personally, I believe. Um, he might have actually worked for, for Eric. But, you know, when I watched the development of Blackwater, I could not help but believe that Eric, somewhere in his quiet time, sat with God and said, I can build a better army. I can build better war fighters. And you know what? He did. He did. Call them contractors, mercenaries, whatever you want. But he built a better army. So much to the point that people said, yeah, come help us. Okay. And so I kind of know that we can build a better army to go save children. Because I've been on this, I've been 
downrange with us for a long time now. And, you know, with all the NGOs that are out there supposedly rescuing children or providing aftercare, the average citizen would say, wow, why aren't we taking a bigger bite out of this? Because they haven't built a better army. Because they don't have no people that know what they're doing. They have good hearts. A lot of people are getting into it. But they fall on their sword and they get discouraged. This is not, I tell people when we when we do our training programs, our equipping training, like we just did in South Dakota, I go, don't get involved in this. If you're going to have compassion fatigue, which is the new word, which is ridiculous. I can't believe it. I listened in on a meeting with a task force and they were talking about, we have compassion fatigue. We probably need a vacation. Don't get in it if you got compassion fatigue. If you're not willing to go the distance and take everything and not complain about it to go save a kid, you're in the wrong AL. You know, this is not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be pretty. And it's not. And it's not like you shut down on Saturday and Sunday and go, we're not going to rescue kids. Because as we all know, there's no trafficking of children on weekends. It doesn't work that way. When you, when you go into this AO, this area of operation, it's full-time all the time. And this is what you live and you breathe because you love children and you want to save them because if we do not, then who will? So, yeah, maybe one day that multi-billionaire will show up on our doorstep and we will build a better army and we'll put a bigger bite out of the cartel and the pedophile culture and whatever it may be. And then the story will be different. Well, when, not if, my podcast finally breaks orbital velocity or escape velocity, and I get a, a big paycheck. I'll, I'll, I'll be that. I'll be the anonymous funder. I don't, I don't, I don't Thanks, care. I've grown, I've, I've grown so disgusted it's easy, It's an easy cop out to say you've grown disgusted with the world, but well, who hasn't, right? It's like when you hear sort of those like vanilla critiques of like, man, the media is so bad, social media is stupid, fast food's killing us. You got any other hot takes? Sunburns suck. Hangovers aren't fun. What else do you have, Einstein? Like, okay, yeah. anyone can critique anything, right? Yeah, I've that I'm now is now I look at it and I'm like. I have to do as much good as I mentally can withstand. I need to, you know, I lost a brother to suicide. Mental health is very close to my heart. I have to do something to fix that or at least alleviate it. Right after my brother died, I, I actually, I started a 5013C and I raised about 15,000 over the course of a year and donated it to mental health research, but I was broken as a person. Now doing this podcast it's not remotely related to mental health, but I do have a bigger picture. I am biding my time. I'm like, I know I can make money. If I can't continue to try to raise money for mental health research, I'm going to, what, raise $100,000 over the next five decades. That's great. I mean, whatever. Or I'm I'm good at podcasting. I can get people on like yourself, like Mr. Prado next week or the week after. I know I can do this. And I know that that is a pathway to far more money as well as a platform of awareness i that's a cost i won't have this is my pr i know whether it's 
funding a hospital or funding a, a mental health charity or funding even homeless, whatever. I know that if I do this, I can amplify, I can amplify this a lot, lot more, right? We can either go in and carpet bomb all of Japan or it's like, just give it a second. We've got this new bomb, right? Play the cards right. You can actually get a lot more out of it. That's kind of where I am, where I'm like, it all just seems so dark. It seems like people are unknowingly or even knowingly just walking towards the abyss that you can go through periods of just total disillusionment and, and black pilling where you just go full nihilist. But then there's a kind of a liberating moment where I remember I studied for the MCAT for nine months. My test scores never went up. They never went up from September. Yeah, September 2012 to, to, to May 2013. I was always scoring in about the 60th percentile. And it burned me alive because I was a straight A student. There's a huge ego. I was like, I know, I know I'm smarter than the people around me. How come I can't? And that's my ego. And finally, I hit this moment where I was like, you know what? I don't even want to do this anymore. Which then led to this, yeah. which there was like a day of just like, I'm done. I'm not even, I don't even care. Which then led to this liberating moment of like, well, you got a week till the MCAT. So let's not throw it in just yet. You got one more week. You've been at it for four years. If you really don't care, well, then there goes the test jitters. There goes the anxiety. Why don't you just go mm -hmm. wing it? And I was like, that's a great idea. And I stopped studying for the final week, just sat by a pool all day. And I just went and winged it. And I scored in the 95th percentile. And I was there like, I was like, I don't even want, and I, I didn't even go. I was like, well, I don't even want to go anymore. But just letting go allowed me yeah. to operate smoothly. That's kind of where I am now. Where there's this fear of like, oh, it seems like the country's falling. It seems like the world is falling. It seems like evil is just taking over every asset of this world, like like ink in water, just like polluting it. There's nothing to do. I can't fix it. And then you go, I can't fix it all. It's all over. All right, let's wing it. Like, let's go for it. And there's just this moment of it's 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 contradictory in terms you don't care, you've completely let go of any false sense of it getting better, that allows you to then do better than ever before. Because you've let, I mean, you could say it's giving it to God. He could say it's, you know, they call what neurologists would call it flow state. It's, you just go, it's over, right? It's, it's, it's done anyway. Go for it. Think about Tom Brady, you know, marching down and winning a Super Bowl yeah. six separate times in like the final two. There's this moment of just, it's over. It's over anyway. Let's go for it. That's kind of where I am. So, like, I'm not joking when I say, like, if I made money, like, I'll, I'll fund you. I don't care. If you get thrown in jail. I don't, if the thing's over, like, I got to go out trying my hardest. Yeah. Is that, is that, and I, and I know that's kind of an absurd question to ask, but is that part of it where you're just looking at, like, the whole forest is on fire and you're like, well, I got a bottle of water. Let's go try to put out this plant. Is there any bit of that or... Is that a negative mindset? Do you have to do you have to say no, it can be fixed? No, I don't think I think you're you're right on target. There's a couple of things. One, always remember for such a time as this, we were created. We're not and here so by accident. We and so we boldly go into the darkness. There are those who will never go in the darkness because they are afraid. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, Tommy. 
And so if he hasn't given us the spirit of fear, and we know that he's the light of this world, then that darkness isn't anything scary to us at all. And we're going to go. And when we go to fight the dragon, we're going to say, give me all the dragons so I can fight on every side and not worry about where I have to swing my sword. I'm going to hit something. So surround me. Because if I'm going to go out, I'm going out in the blaze of glory. And that kind of segues into what you're saying. And I think a lot of people finally get to this point where they bravely realize they're overwhelmed. It's kind of like the Alamo. And they go, or it's like, you know, it's like the Battle of Culloden, you know, where they go, if this is my day, then this is a good day to die. And then they just go for it all. I think that's kind of where our country could end up, too. You know, where all of a sudden, if it got so overwhelmingly corrupt that the 70,000 veterans or patriots may say, think the same way as you and go, fine, fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I have nothing to lose. Now, when you have people that have nothing to lose, that's the most dangerous part right there. When they have nothing to lose, you better watch out. And if it's fueled by patriotism, or it's fueled by I care, or it's fueled by an idea of I had a family, I had a country, I had a home, or I'm going to save this kid. They are the most dangerous. And I'm, and I'm talking about good dangerous, you know, for, for winning the war, so to speak. So, no, I think your thinking is, is good. Um, we've all gotten there. I remember I was up here in Colorado, and, uh, and two years ago, and we had a fire. It's one of the largest fires we had in Colorado. And I was able to make it back to my home in my mount- on the mountain. Nobody was here. The whole city had evacuated almost, with the exception of the firefighters. <laughs> and But on the mountain, I was like the only guy here. And what I learned was fire trucks couldn't be everywhere. And, and I had fought the Malibu fires with a buddy of mine, Michael Watkins. And what I learned there was if you don't stand and fight your fire, your house will burn. Hmm. so when I got back here I can remember I mean literally the fire was on the other side of the YMCA I mean it was exploding it would hit the hit it would hit the beetle kill and you would look like look like 800 foot napalm bombs being dropped and I stood here and I actually had the hoses hooked up I came back and I hooked the hose up uh to the fire hydrant and I stretched it out around the house and I stood out on my balcony watching the fire about a mile away from my house. And then the last phone call I got was from a buddy of mine, Eric Rose, who unfortunately, sadly, very much like your brother, I went through that with him where he committed suicide. And, um, but Eric was on the phone and he said, you have to leave. He goes, it's coming your way and we can't stop it. And then the phone went dead. And I stood out on the balcony And I said, God, I said, I'm going to stand my ground. I said, I'm going to stand my ground. I have a little firefighting experience, a little smoke jumper experience, a little stuff, you know. And um, and God said, just remember, it's just fire. They're not firing at you. (laughs) And I put myself, I put myself back being downrange. (laughs) When I was being fired at by the enemy and realized, wow, that was pretty horrendous. Sometimes it was scary. I could have died. But guess what, Tommy? 
I didn't die. And then all of a sudden, that was God saying to me, you're not going to die. And so I stood the ground and all I thought, thought to myself logically, look, if I can get this fire to move around my house and I can man these hoses myself, then I could, I could, I could survive this. You can wait it out. And fortunately, now here's the miracle. In it. So I'm watching the flames. No lie. People know this story. It's getting ready to come over the YMCA. Just got the call from Eric. I raised my hands and I just like, I said, as you were within the days of Moses, so be with me. Tommy, the wind was blowing 60 knots, 60 knots. That's how bad the fire was in my face. We get really high winds up here. Everything to blow that fire right over the top of Bible Mountain over at the YMCA and make it like run like wildfire to my house. All of a sudden, the fire shifted. No explanation. It shifted and it went north. And even the firefighters later told me. And on top of that, there was a storm that was moving to Wyoming. The storm stopped in Wyoming and turned around and came back to Estes Park and dropped snow on Estes Park and helped extinguish the fire. That was like a day of miracles, you know? So after that event happened, I kind of re, I took a look at life a little bit differently. You look at life. And I looked at pretty much what you're saying about when you're in the face of the enemy or in the face of death, or if you're the only one standing, what do you do? And you know what? I had nothing to lose. I had nothing to lose. I mean, I had my home to lose, but it was the same thing. But when it comes to children, you know, no, it's like, yeah, is there a lot of corruption? There is. Has there always been? Yes, there has been. But if you don't have a battle to fight, you get lazy. Oh, yeah. You get lazy. So now, not everybody's a warrior. You are, I am, Rick is, other is. And that's, and so we're warriors. So we run to the call of our duty you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, we pierce the darkness with our talents and our skills. And we say, bring it on. You know, not every man in this world has the luxury of going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Yeah. Most of of the time we live and we die in a car car accident or, or we die in our bed or from a disease or whatever it is. But why would I ever, ever turn down the opportunity to go out in a way that that I could go out? And if that's saving children in this world, and if it's up against the evil, whatever that war, that battle is going to be, I gladly embrace it. Absolutely. Calling in some divine air support. The snowstorm. <laughs> exactly. That was that was that was that was, was danger close air support just coming in. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly no that's a that's a good point i mean i have you know so many and it's like you said earlier like you know this is what you did to governments yeah no i've had you know the ground branch guys say you know and they've said it on the podcast for the last two years they're like i know this is what's happening because i've done this <laughs> like they think you know yeah it'd be like if i you know, yeah yeah it's like watching someone make a podcast it's like that guy's that guy's gonna end up making a podcast well how do you know i'm what do you mean? How right now? I can see where it's going. This is exactly what's going on. 
a lot of those guys and not even the special forces guys or not even the tier one guy, just like the special forces guys. And then not even them, just a lot of like the, the enlists, the grunts, the guys that went and served. I mean, so, and then even not even those guys, just analysts. So many people are, they're, they're going out and well, they also have the ability to do so, but they're going out into, you know, rural areas. They're leaving the city. They're, they're going out in the middle of nowhere. They're getting their own cattle, their own well water, their own. They've all got kids, and they're like, I'm not waiting for the system to collapse. Like, I'm going and building my own Alamo, which I respect immensely in terms of foresight and just, you know, character. But, and I'm I'm smart enough to figure it out. I'm smart enough to know I can learn things. I mean, I again, I got in a medical school. The guy throwing up in the urinal, you're like, all right, I can figure this out. I know that's like what i should be doing and i always hear from friends like dude you should be like you're wasting time like you should be out in the middle of nowhere you should have you should have ammo you should have water you should have food you should have and i get that but i've told this story before me and uh one of my friends were at the same uh medical school interview and we were waiting like the conference room in miami and 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 he's a black guy first generation immigrant he actually had better grades than me so what he said didn't even really apply. He had he had better MCAT than me, better everything. But I remember like we were talking, and you know, I was showing him like you know, I was telling him like my, my scores were and everything, and he was like he was like 99th percentile, I was 95th. So and he was like, yeah. He goes, man, Tom. He's like, you're a straight white guy. Your parents, yeah. your parents do well. You went to private school. He goes, you're never getting in. <laughs> and I was like, I goes, I go. I know, but I had had that realize someone had said that to me years prior and I was like, I'm not getting in on any sympathy vote. No, sure. I had, you know, was raised incredibly well, but I was like, I, they can't write me off entirely. They will look at my grades. Now, how do I stand out? I was like, I just have to be the best. It's not enough that I get an A. I have to get the highest grade in the class. I have to break, Mm -hmm. I have to break curves. I have to be the reason why people have to take another semester of college. Like, I need to go scorched earth. And I was like, and that's what I will do. And I did. And I would go so far as to where teachers would write letters, letters of recommendation and be like, he actually got the highest score out of 300 people in the class. Like he, he broke it. And that is why I think I end up getting into uh, medical school. I got in where 15,000 people applied and a hundred got in. So I knew what my strength was. My strength was not, diversity or or you know a sob story it was hey i know what i am but i'm gonna have grades so good you can't ignore it and it worked it actually worked the the mad my mad scientist operation worked i am not i've never served i'm not a an outdoorsman i grew up in suburbia i i've shot a gun maybe 10 20 times in my life all things I think I could learn again, if I got into medical school, I'm like, I could take some time, but I could just like have taught myself podcasting. I, I can learn this, but I also know what my strength is. Just like my strength is I'm going to get the best grades there is. I know I can talk to people. I've always been told that I did it for 29 years before I started this podcast. I know that I've, for whatever reason, I, I know, I can get people on the podcast. I have an ability to get people to come on and then keep coming on. I leave, a, I leave a, a good impression. I know I can do that. And I know I can draw people in because my interview style is weird and absurd and unique. This is my strength. My strength is not, Hey, you know, my, you know, my, my story is a, 
I'm a white guy that went to private Catholic school. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. What I can do is demolish the MCAT or demolish organic chemistry. So I'm saying this whole, this whole, you know, verbose, uh, superfluous rant. Say like, I know what my strength is. I'm not former ground branch and I'm like, I should be out in my own like estate and, you know, survive. I know what my, my skills are and my skills are, I have an ability to talk to people and interview and do it with a diverse, uh, right after this, I'm going to have a guy and we're going to talk about monkey box, like 180 degrees. Yeah. That is what I can do. And I can have people like you share your stories or I can give a platform to a Dr. Malone and a Dr. McCullough. I can have people come on here and while we still have free speech and while we still have a grid and an internet that works, this is where I can do the most. And to me, this is my, my blaze of glory in that like every part of my body is saying like, dude, you should quit the podcast and just go, go disappear, survive. But another part of me is like, this is where I know I'm best used. (laughs) And I don't know if it will end well, but I don't think I can have a greater or even even similar impact anywhere else in life, but doing what I'm doing now. This is my like stay behind. And I think it might work. I think it might actually work. It I think it's not. an amazing, I think it's an amazing calling. And we certainly don't you know, want you to go anywhere because look, you know, for we who are out there uh, in a different type of trench warfare, um, don't have the time to, or a venue to voice sure. the truth, the ground truth. And we have to have, courageous guys like yourself that are willing to risk it all to get the truth out there. And, you know, it just, I mean, I, you're, you're, what you do is as valuable as what we do, believe it or not, you know, um, because particularly in the face of, you know, particularly in the face that, you know, where liberals think conservatives are violent, because we own guns. I mean, how many times do you see conservatives turning over cars and burning down buildings and all that kind of stuff, you know? So, you know, we need a voice, you know, and a, a scripture, like a voice crying in the wilderness, you know, that's what we have to have, you know? Well, you know, I was thinking about this, just, I didn't want to segue, but, you sure. know, you were talking about a white, white boy going to Catholic school. I just wondered if you guys are, I remember when Obama wanted the Catholic institutions to provide condoms and abortions i don't know if you remember that uh, he was really pushing for that and i wondered if you guys ever wondered if he if that if that meant that he was going to force muslims to serve bacon and alcohol you know at the same time you know i <laughs> I, 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 wonder, I doubt it what if you guys no we, we know, had priests but, um, at our school who they didn't you didn't have you could say whatever you want there were priests at our school that were like yeah no to my dismay, not only were we exactly. not going to give you condoms, you're also, <laughs> Mr. Kerrigan, going to have your hair above your ears, eyebrows, and and collar, which is why, I, which is why I wrote it right to that point until the day I graduated. Yeah. That's just the you know the asshole. But no, it's same with my parents. As I look back at that, and yeah, no, none of them care. And I it drove me away from Christianity for a while. It drove me away from conservatism for a while. But as I've slowly moved back in that direction and my life has flourished in more ways than I could ever could have wildly imagined, there is the tail between your legs where you go, all right, mom and dad. All right, Father Lopez. All right, Sister Lorraine. You're right. I'm going to say it one time. You're right. Yeah, that's oh. funny. Well, as long as you don't get in the legalism of religion, 
you're fine. If you build a personal relationship with God, yeah. you'll be exactly that's, what he wanted, you know. That's funny because you mentioned your your black your black buddy. I, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. I have a friend of mine. I love him to death. <laughs> and this is so funny. We were we were talking. He loves God. He's great. He's a he's a downrange guy, big muscular guy. I mean, he's intimidating, but just got got a a, a soft heart, wonderful wife and and daughter. And I remember we were standing around. And he goes, "Quit calling me an African American." He goes, "I wasn't born in Africa. I don't know anything about Africa. <laughs> I'm an American. I'm black. You can call me a black American, but that's what I am." And he goes, "If by chance, 15 generations ago." My ancestors were brought here in slavery. I am so grateful for it because now I'm here and I'm not living in Africa. And the last time I fought a war in Africa, it sucked. He goes, <laughs> I'm not African. Don't call me that anymore. And I started, I laughed my butt off. It was so funny. But then at the end, you know, while we were eating lunch, I got to thinking about, and I thought, wow, you know what? He's right. Mm-hmm. He's right. You know, like my grandfather. You know, don't call me a, a Lebanese American. I'm not Lebanese. I wasn't born in Lebanon. My grandfather might have been. I'm an American. Yeah. My grandfather never wanted us to go back there because there was so much war and corruption and just, you know, really bad stuff. And I got to thinking about what he said. And I thought, you know what? And I think you and I have talked about this before, Tommy. When we kind of like unifying the country, if we'd all just be Americans. And stop leaning on our victimization, you know, whatever it is. I think we would come together a little bit better, to be honest with you. But we're so, we're not, we're not, the country's always been divided since the beginning of our family. It's always been divided. You know, there's always been good and bad and there always will be. Um, And so that's probably not going to change in a long time because there's always somebody sticking their finger in the pie, trying to create problems so to speak. Um, and then when people go, well, let's just all d- agree to disagree. I-, I don't know where that came from, um, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If I don't agree with you, I don't agree with you. And I'm not going to agree that I'm disagreeing with you either. I'm going to hold my ground because back on the pedophilia thing, you think adults should have sex with kids? No. And I'm yeah. not going to, yeah, and I disagree with you, but I'm never going to look at you like, you're right. Yeah. It's not happening, you yeah. know? So I think, you know, they're probably trying to create some law that says, if you don't say that somebody's right and you're right, you're going to go to jail. Who knows? I don't know, but yeah, there's agree to disagree. Trying to legislate morality, so to speak. Yeah. Agree to disagree is it's important in some things, you know, your favorite weather, your favorite band, what you want in a relationship, your idea, your idea of an ideal life. You know, I have friends that are married with kids and they're, you yeah. know, lawyers. And I look at that and I'm like, I'm by myself in an apartment doing a podcast. If we trade lives, we'd be miserable, but we're in our own lives and we're happy as clams. So those are things where agree to disagree is good. Not with pedophilia. That's not an agree to disagree. Well, I don't agree that you should be rounding up all the Jews and put them on trains, but, you know, I guess we see it differently. Now, that's genocide. <laughs> that's you're raping. Right. That's not well. What they do is they expect you to agree to disagree, but not do anything about it. Yeah, you know. And for some reason, we put a bandaid over the issue. It's like, okay, we're all fine. We're all cool now. It's all cool. It's we just agree that we don't disagree. But the event's still happening. 
And so when is somebody going to do something about it? It's, oh my gosh, it's so funny. It's like this whole, it's like the whole border thing that's going on, you know, and, and I just saw where some sheriff, a democratic sheriff in Texas is now trying to go after Abbott. And then somebody's trying to go after DeSantis, you know, for illegally transporting immigrants by a bus to Martha's Vineyard and other places. Right. And it's like, wait a minute. Nobody ever addressed the issue of Biden flying Biden illegal in. immigrants and children in and Chattanooga, Tennessee at two o'clock in the morning when we were filming it or Jacksonville or Pennsylvania, you know. So it's really it's really interesting, I think. And I just saw a big report about the number of getaways, like 500,000 getaways. And ones that never got caught at the border and are here in the United States and the number of known terrorists that have been picked up. And I think I think we're in for a circus here in the United States because, and, and quite honestly, I think because it is a national security issue and because the president of the United States now, Biden, and this administration are gambling with the lives of American people, literally, I think they should be held accountable for that. It is, it is a crime. They are literally setting us up to die. Yeah, and because the more the more terrorists that come in this country, the more dangerous it is for us. You know, with that things kind of like I laugh at this. I think liberals are actually let, Latino folks. You know why? Because you ever notice liberals say they're moving to Canada if Trump gets reelected? Why don't they move to Mexico? I don't know. That <laughs> is the most racist thing when they're like, we're going to Canada. It's like, well, what's wrong with Mexico? Yeah, exactly. They're going there. But anyway, I just I just threw that it was funny. I just threw that in. But honestly, you know, I uh, there's the 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 things that should the people that should be held accountable for things that are taking place now are not because they own the system. Which goes back to what you were talking about a little earlier: the corruption and and how bad it's getting. So, no matter how bad it gets, Tommy, here in the United States, keep a smile on your face. Because you have the breath in your lungs to fight. And if you can fight, then they can't take anything from you. They can't take your freedom from you. They can't take your homes. They can't take your family. They can't do that because you can fight for that. The worst thing that can ever happen is that you can't fight. And you die disgusted because you can't fight for all your liberty and your freedom. But we can fight. And as long as we can fight, there's always a chance that we can save America. Always. Yeah. It's it's the very last line is your own mind. And you can't give it over. You can't. Oh, I guess it's all over. You can't quit. You have to, no matter what they're doing in your mind, you have to go, yeah, we're going to come back. We're going to beat them. Even if you don't mean it, you say the words. We're going to beat them. Yeah. I always, in my worst days of depression, I'd always tell myself it's going to get better. Even when deep down, I was like, no, it's not. I would just say, because I couldn't consciously admit that it wouldn't. I just had part of me, even if it was delusion, I'd go, it's going to get better. It's going to get better tomorrow. And then, you know, three more years would go by and I go, it's going to get better tomorrow. Every other part of me was like, what are you even saying? It's like saying, yeah, this water ball, this is a nice chicken. Like, what? What are you talking? But I would just say it, and then eventually it got better. And 
it's because I just some part of me was like, you like you'll have to kill me. I'm not I'm not quitting. Like you have to like physically you have to remove me from the bar. I'm not leaving. I'm gonna party. Now if I get thrown out, I don't think there's much I can do about that, but I'm not going. And that's kind of where I am is like I can't I can't give up no matter how, how futile it seems. And like I don't even know if it's going to be transactional. Like it might not end well. But I'm going to tell myself it's going to end well. Because worse than all of it is when you're alone and you have to examine yourself. Mm. I can't do that. I have to be able to be by myself and be like, now I'm cool with you, man. That was badass. You tried. <laughs> like, if you get yeah. that approval from yourself, you're golden. Like, you tried, yeah. you tried your best. Yeah. And that's, that's the right. best. Um, real quick. Um, but my buddy, we'll, we'll call him Bob. I remember he was saying that to me and he was like, yeah, man, that's, he's like, I'm sorry, dude. And he was like, it's BS. It sucks. He's like, uh, and I was like, yeah, but he said the same thing. He's like, he's like, my parents are first generation immigrants. Like they came here when I was little or before I was born. He's like, but I was born here. And I was like, yeah, but I was like, it'd be a lot easier to get in if I was African-American. And he said the same thing. He goes, I mean, it's easier for you. You're Irish American. I was like, what? He's like, when did you last be, when were you last in Ireland? I was like, I've never left the country. He goes, I've never left the country. Why are you not Irish? If I, and I was like, yeah. The same thing. I was like, noted. He was like, I've never left Atlanta. He's like, what do you mean I'm African American? He's like, dude, I grew up on the subway and around skyscrapers. What are you talking about? And I was like, touche. But uh, yeah, he's yeah. a real one. He's a he's a he's a doctor now and a, a God fearing American. But um, kind of last, and then and then we'll 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 wrap it up. Okay. Um, is so you're saying earlier, you know, we don't have the the spirit of 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 fear in us, and. Well, I, I'm still very, I'm still fearful. It's I, most days I look at dead in the eyes and I'm like, I don't know if this is all going to go south and I'm going to be thrown in a gulag for wrong speech. I might be, I might not have the, the, I might just be shot. No knock. You know, that's another yeah. option, but, uh, but I'm not scared. But then there are days where maybe I didn't sleep enough or I'm just stressed from other stuff, but I still start getting a little like, all right, this is a noble fight. Ooh, this is this is kind of this is kind of scary. You know, I'm, I'm by myself walking on the walking on the razor wire, you know, between two cliffs and it's like yeah, I can say I'm not scared, but you know, I'm not scared of this movie and you're, you're watching through your hands, you know, like <laughs> so there are days that very much so I'm like what am I doing? What am I what do I Am I really going up, trying to go up against like me versus big tech from a room in a, an apartment? What, what do I do then when I very much so have the spirit of fear in me? What do I do then when, like you said, downrange? Sometimes you do get a little scared. You go, "Oh, well, you know, I'm the I'm the baddest of the bad, ground branch." There are probably some moments where you hear the cracking of bullets going by, and you're like. Oh wow, this is real. This is real. We are not at home in Colorado. We are in the, you know, you know, plausibly denied nation. Like, oh God, this is bad. What do I do when I get that? Well, when I don't have the strength, God becomes my strength. And I cult and I nurture that relationship every single morning when I wake up, getting into his word and learning more and more and more about the God that has been standing by, 
by great warriors since the beginning of time. David, Joshua, Samson, I mean, Gideon, all of those, you know. And I know that when my forces have been cut down, that's just God's way of showing up. So I lean into that because it has served me all of my life undeniably. No one can convince me any different because I've been, my life has been saved miraculously too many times for me to just put it off and go, oh, I was just lucky. Oh, yeah, I was just lucky. Yeah, you've been lucky your life like 27 times. Really? Yeah. Everybody else is dead. You're not. So yeah. that's what I lean into. Um, you know, it's funny about the bullets cracking around us. You know, if I weren't going to take a spiritual approach, I would just take a logical approach and go, you can't see the lead coming. Yeah. You, you can't see it. I mean, unless you have Superman vision, that's your you can't ten. see it. Yeah. You know, you take cover and concealment as best you can, but you can't see the round coming. So the one that's coming that. for you, the one that's coming for you. Yeah. Is, one is coming for you. You won't know. It's probably going to get you if, if it's that, you know, I had a buddy of mine when I was running some operations, he carried a, he carried a, um, a, a 7.62, um, just the bullet head, the 7.62 bullet head, not the, not the casing. And he had his name on it and he, and I, and he used to carry it around with him all the time. And he goes, I have the bullet with my name on it. He goes, never going to, I'm never going to die. You know, and it was really funny. And he believed that, you know, because, you know, you always say, there's a bullet with your name on it out there, right? Yeah. And so he grew up in the community that way. And he goes, I've, I've outsmarted him. I've outsmarted death. Here's the bullet with my name on it. And it's in my pocket. And I'm good to go. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of funny. But, you know, life is eternal. Not in, not in this form. Uh, you know, and for the time that we're put here, we, we do the very best we can do. Um, and we do all the good we can do while we're here. Um, I've never found any satisfaction in doing evil or bad things. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, you're just different. Yeah, you're right. I am. I am different. A lot of my friends are different. And Tommy, you're different. And the founding fathers of our country were different. Um, we followed an example set before us by the God that created us and created this universe. And we were created in his image. And I believe with all my heart, and I've seen it played out in life, that God is good. Now, God can be dangerous against his enemies. Make no doubt about it. Um, and he can have wrath. and He can get angry, you know, at things. But it's generally against the darkness and everything. And so I don't understand everything about God. I just accept some things based on him revealing himself to me and others. And if he sends me, I'll go, you know, like in Isaiah, send me Lord, just send me. And I've always been one of those kind of guys. It's like, send me, please just send me. Yeah. Um, because we get to a point in life that we realize that if the job is to be done and it's to be done right, that we're the only people that can get it done. That's it. Because if you send anybody else, not going to be successful. And I think that all my, a lot of my buddies in ground ranch where I came from, and I think it's the thing I learned from them actually, uh, that led me to be successful with our child rescue operations 
and we we use the same trade craft or all that stuff. But what I learned, I never from those guys was that I, I never saw one ground ranch operator shy away from danger. They were the guys that said, "Send me." I mean, it was it was remarkable, you know, in the face of of some of the greatest dangers in the world. They knew that if they didn't go, it would not get done. And if the mission wasn't accomplished, then the security of our nation was at risk. And I've seen I've seen everything from small operations to guys that literally stopped nuclear holocaust from happening here in this country. And America will never know. They'll never know those operations. They may never know those people that stopped a certain terrorist from putting a dirty bomb someplace or assassinating somebody or whatever it may be. They'll never know because these people will never speak of it. And I'll never speak of their names, but I know who they are. I've served with them, you know, and I served with some of them when I contracted after I left the agency on some other things. And these are people that never flinched. And yes, they are, in my opinion, a cut above 95% of the Americans in our country right now, you know, and they are far and way above the generations that are coming out of high school right now. I can only hope and pray that there's one or two in that are, that are going to become adults that can have that type of fortitude um, and not be tainted by all the liberal wokeism, you know, that, that they get saturated with every day, that wisdom will fill their heads and they'll know the difference and that they'll walk humbly with their God and go, wait a minute, there's some, there's someone out there that's far more powerful than everything I'm learning here in my school or what I'm learning off the media or whatever it may be. And if we have that, as I said earlier, one man or one woman with courage is a majority and it only takes one. It only takes one to make a difference. Yeah. I, whenever I look at like kids in high school or middle school and I go, Oh, we're screwed. Just like I, you know, the the guy that's smiling and getting his white coat and I'm like, I've seen you throw up in a urinal. <laughs> right. I look at myself and I'm like, I look at 16 year old me, 18 year old me. And I look at who I'm very proud of who I am now lot of work to go and i go oh i go he grew up so i see some some jackass kid i go i'm i'll i'll wait let's see maybe not but i was like i was doing a lot worse i was doing i was sinfully worse like things i just prefer not to talk about but i'm like okay that kid can and i think you've told the story and it's it's a you know it's the, the great parable about the i think it was you right the the guy surviving the flood and god how come you didn't send anyone you know i sent three times you know that story yeah yeah, yeah the, the fire yeah you told yeah. it last yeah. time we were okay 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 yeah i think i think it's the same thing then and it was a uh, i think someone uh i think it was the same friend said to me and i was like dude i'm so, i was like i'm so scared like i do i was like i do get scared like i do get scared especially you see like fbi rating trump like mike lindell <laughs> next it, it's going to be like a, a joe rogan or something and then they'll work down the list. Eventually, they won't come for me. Eventually, they will. And I was like, you know, I always I pray every day that that 
that the angels look after me. And I was like, but I haven't seen them yet. And one of my friends was like, who else in the world who has no military experience and just does a podcast just happens to be buddies with not one, but five coming on six ground branch operators. Now, that's a very good point. He goes, don't tell me no one's looking out for you. Because there's because big guys looking out for you. He's like, I think you were expecting a, a holy angel with wings. And instead, you know, you're just buddies with the toughest motherfuckers on earth. And I'm like, maybe they just do look differently. You know, don't call me an African-American. I'm an American. Like, don't, don't call me an operator. I'm your angel. And I'm like, oh, I thought they'd have a halo. Instead, they're just hardcore operators. And I'm like, why else would they all be in my and all say the same things? They are just like you. And unlike anybody else, you all have the same fabric of of rooted in God, do the right thing. It can be scary. But yeah, send me. And I often think about that. And I'm like, what are the odds of the people that aren't supposed to exist I've become friends with? And I do think differently about that. I'm like, what? what is that? What in God's name is that? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if, if it's like, it's like having Charlie Duke on here who walked on the moon. He's one of four men alive who've walked on the moon. One of two men with the, the mental faculties to still do interviews. And Buzz Aldrin doesn't do interviews. So he's one of one. And mm. I've had him on here three times. He's never been on Joe Rogan. And he came on here and told me about his trip going to the moon and coming back and how life seemed empty, turning to alcohol, being a, a terrible father, and then turning to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that that led to me in late 2020 turning back to God and praying. And my life's been better since after 15 years of not praying. How many people literally get to reconnect with God through someone that has like walked amongst the stars. That's many. it's, it's you getting to meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, there is a part of me that it's like, maybe there is no reason to be scared. Maybe the evidence is all around me that I'm going the right direction. And it's just my own ignorance. How come I don't have anybody? You're getting advice from the guys that have done the most dangerous things in the world. Yeah, yeah. the guy that ter- told you to go back to God is the guy that walked on the moon and then said, yeah, no, it's better to walk with God. I think his quote is, it's better to walk with Christ than walk on the moon. Wow. I'm getting class A therapy. I'm the spoiled kid. You pay a lot for that. I'm the spoiled kid. Presidents and you know and, and 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 Tom Brady's coming to my birthday party and teaching me how to throw a spiral and I'm like, well, I'll never learn how to play football. And it's like, dude, it it is it's shining in your. Th- it's not that there's a silver lining. There's a silver atomic bomb going off in your face, and you're going, "Where's the brightness?" So there's part of me that's like, listen, man, I I, I can only imagine God's up there going like, I don't know what else to do. I have literally, it is so, it's not even, if this was a movie, it would be a poorly written movie because it's so absurd that I get to be be friends. It would be a comedy. It would. People would be like, this is cheesy. Well, you, 
What about, okay, who's Joe Rogan? Or the biggest podcaster on the planet. Who's his number one and number two most downloaded episodes of all times over Mark Zuckerberg, over Elon Musk? Is Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough. Have you interviewed yeah. them? Oh, yeah. No, I interviewed them three times each before they went on Rogan. There you go. What? Yeah, it kind of dawning on me like, what? And well, what? You're waiting for a sign. I mean, you're getting beaten over the head with a sign. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just venting. But uh, well, yeah. I'll tell you yeah. what. You, you, it's not about walking the right path, but it's about are you walking the path the right way? When you keep God by your side, and he'll continue to bless everything that you're doing. As I said earlier, as he was in the days of Moses, so shall he be with you, Tommy Caravan. Yes, sir. Yeah. And with that, Basel Bass, Basel Boss, thank you so much, brother. You know I love you. You are, I genuinely mean that. I love you. You're an incredible person. You provide Thanks, genuine, genuine, genuine guidance to me, and that, that means the world to me. And uh, we'll keep doing this thing, and uh, I can't wait Good. to the next one. I'll put all your links in the description go check out the other two episodes uh you stand alone before god and what you do now echoes eternally echoes through eternity those are probably the only two i make up every title and i remember those two because they're special to me so go check those out i can't wait to have you on again here man i will text you the episode when it's up we'll schedule another one thank you so much thanks tommy peace out